Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Chers frères et sœurs, mon ami fidèle, bienvenue, bon ça va. That's French for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Are you all enjoying this international Sabbath so far? Yes. Perfect, perfect. Um, I'd like to thank all of our participants, the coordinators, and the various ministries that were involved in collaborating both Friday and this morning to make all this possible. They've done such a fantastic job. And I just want to thank them for that. Uh, I also want to welcome our visitors as they worship and celebrate with us this Sabbath morning. I'd like for you all just to take a moment Look around at the diversity and nations represented here this morning. I'd like for you all to say, Sabah and Ziza. That is, can you wander for a happy Sabbath? Let's try it in French. You go. <laughs> bon Sabah. And let's try it in a language that we all understand and know, English. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, my name is John Izian, and I am a member here at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it's a privilege to have been selected as the vessel of which God speaks to you this morning. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to start off with a word of prayer, if you bow with me. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we're just grateful to be in your presence this morning. As we celebrate the Sabbath with all the diversity that you've blessed us with, we ask that you take us one step closer to the destiny you've planned for us. We invite your presence in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning I come to you with a message titled, Savior of the One. If you would, turn with me to your Bibles to Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. That's Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. And as you're searching for this, I have a few questions for you. We're going to open to Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. If you have it, say amen. If you're still searching, say, oh my. Mm. All right, I'll give you a moment. How many of you have ever misplaced, lost, or had something missing? I'd like for you to raise your hands. I want you to be audible. I want you to speak to me today. We've all lost something, right? How'd you know this thing was missing or was lost? Because it's... You needed it and it wasn't where it's supposed to be, right? So what do you do when something's missing or lost? You search for it. How many of us here have kids? Have you ever sent your kid out to go search for something? How's that turn out? They walk into a room, look around. Nope, I didn't find it. That's not the kind of searching I'm talking about here. I mean, uh, an actual deep search when you're looking, 
Okay, so if something's missing, you're going to search for it, you're going to ask around so you can find that missing uh, item. Now, depending on what the item is, and depending on its significance to you, you might even rejoice when you find this item. Uh, I think this morning, my kids were looking for their shoes, their coats, and it was ridiculous. I want to share a story with you this morning. Can you all hear me just fine? Perfect. Several years ago, we had a dog named Yuna. Yuna was a two-year-old pit bull that we had since she was a puppy. And the kids loved Yuna. They would put her in a stroller and push her around the house and in the neighborhood. They would dress her up in play clothes. They would put shoes on her feet. And my son was two at the time, so he would sit on Yuna's back and ride around the house like a rodeo. Uh, now, one day, Yuna got out. We called for Yuna. We couldn't find her. We didn't see her. We didn't hear her. The kids were worried that Yuna was lost. Yuna was missing. So my wife stayed home with the three younger kids. I have five kids, by the way, if you don't know. She stayed home with the three younger kids, and I took my two older girls out, and we went out into the neighborhood searching for Yuna. We asked the neighbors, we asked friends, hey, have you seen Yuna? If you happen to come across her, give us a call. About an hour and a half later, we're driving in. There's Yuna in, at the uh, <laughs> local park just running around, having a blast, the time of her life, just enjoying freedom. And... You know, she had no idea how worried we are, no idea how long we had been searching for her, or what kind of trouble and danger she could have been in. So we grabbed her, we put her in the car, and I called my wife and said, listen, we found Yuna. Tell the kids she's not lost. It's okay. We're on our way home. We rejoiced. We were glad because we lost her, and when we found her. That's an okay story, but Jesus gives examples of some of the most exciting and wonderful lost and found stories. And that's what we're going to look at here in Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. So now that you all have it, let's take a look. It's, uh, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. How many? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It continues, or a woman, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light the lamp, sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen? In searching, 
when you find something, there should be rejoicing. And this is what Jesus is telling us in Luke 15 here, that there should be joy in finding. So Jesus is in the middle of an audience that has given him his attention. And the verse says it's a group of tax collectors and sinners. This was uh, pretty specific. Tax collectors and sinners. I'm going to give you a bit of background and context here. Um, Tax collectors were among some of the richest among their people. Uh, The way the Roman government worked is, regarding paying taxes, the government would put up providences and territories up for bid. And the publicans would bid on them. And if they won this bid, they were given the authority, the paperwork, to go around and collect taxes. So let's say, where's Pastor Marius? Let's say Pastor Marius was a publican. And the Middletown area was up for bid. And the bid was $1 million, and Pastor Morris just happens to have a million dollars in his pocket. And he pays the million dollars, and he goes to your homes and says, I'm here to collect taxes. He knocks on your doors and he smiles in your face. I'm here for the taxes. And everything he keeps is the profit. So the Jewish people hated the tax collectors because they were unfair. They would collect more than their fair share. So they didn't have much friends except from among themselves. So Jesus is sitting with this group and he's talking to them. And here come the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, and they say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now Jesus was often criticized because of the company he kept. Now, back in Jesus' time, uh, who you spent your time with, uh, called out to, or associated yourself with wasn't just a matter of your character or your reputation. It was a matter of your morality. Have you ever met someone or a group of people who were just so ready to pounce and cast cast judgment? Have you ever been judged or or given the side eye because of someone that you might have known or someone that you associated with? Have you ever been questioned because you spoke of someone who had a different life-threatening, chronic, terminal sin condition than theirs? He's got his hand up. I see you, my man. Or talked about because you associated with someone who had a different life-threatening, chronic, terminal condition that others might have considered more heinous or or, or more severe than their life-threatening, chronic, terminal sin condition. Now, Jesus was blameless. But he was being judged because he was sitting with those who the community had considered to be traitors, adulterers, thieves, people the community had shunned. So Jesus engages into a conversation with this group, and the Pharisees' comment that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them brings Jesus to this parable. And he tells them this big story of, of a sheep that wanders into a wilderness, a woman who loses a coin in the house, and a father whose son leaves his home to enter a strange land, which is the prodigal son. And in each case, there is searching and there is joy in finding each one of those stories. But Jesus makes a contrast here. In the first story, he talks about a man. In the second story, he talks about a woman. In the first story, he talks about a shepherd losing one sheep by heedlessness. Now, the sheep was lost 
by his own foolishness. You see, sheep were helpless, and they would get themselves into positions that they couldn't get themselves out. They didn't have a great sense of direction or homing skills to get back to their flock or their shepherd. And all they could focus on was eating and finding greener pasture. So this one sheep was probably grazing, getting a little bit to eat here, a little there, until it wandered off and next thing it knows, it was lost. It was not with the rest of his flock. But the shepherd knew his sheep. The shepherd, he could hear and recognize their cry, and his sheep knew his voice. Now, the Pharisees might think, why waste time and go after the one and risk losing the 99? And to many practical adults, it seems like a foolish concept to risk losing the 99 in search of one that wandered off on its own. Now, I may not be a shepherd to sheep, but as I said, I'm a father to five children. Um... And I have one, and her teacher is in the audience, and she can attest to this. She is a wanderer. She is known for wandering off. So when we go to events, I have to let her know, baby, you're going to get a special spot and stay right here with daddy just because I love you that much. And I hold her hand, and we go because she's a wanderer. And because I know her, and I know her voice, and, and I know what she looks like, so when I don't hear her or I don't see her or it's a little too quiet, it raises concerns. Have your kids ever been a little too quiet for your considerations? A little too quiet. Something is going on. They're up to something. So in the second story, Jesus talks about a woman losing a coin in her home. Now this woman searches high and low, combing through every inch of this house, searching for this coin. This coin had a value to her. Have you ever lost your debit card, credit card, or some cash? Oh, you would tear your house up looking for that. Yeah, you'd look in the refrigerator, the dryer, you'd lift up every cushion, you would, you'd call your friends and your neighbors, hey, did I leave my card at your house? Did you see some money laying around? You would search and you would find it because it has value to you, right? And it's yours. Have you ever lost or couldn't find your car keys or your house keys? If you lost your keys right now, you would walk up to a perfect stranger. Listen, sir, what's your name? Okay, listen, I'm looking for keys. They're, they're green. You know, you describe this. You don't care who it is. Your mission is to find those keys, that item that's been lost, because it has a purpose to you. Uh, a few weeks ago, I have this key here that I keep on my side, and... It has a proximity sensor, so when I walk up to my car, I don't actually have to take my keys out of my pocket. The car recognizes that the key is close, and it beeps, and allows me to open the door and start the car. One day, I walk up to the car, and the car doesn't beep, and I push the button, and the door doesn't open. So I reach beside me, you know, I feel the keychain there, but what I didn't realize is that there is a quick-release button here, that will detach the keys from this mechanism. And when I did not find my key there, I almost panicked. Um, why? Two things. If you lose keys, you'll have to replace them. And depending on if it's your car key, depending on what you drive, it could cost up to $500 to replace those keys. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm sure you have a purpose for your keys. You do not want to lose those. Have you ever lost or couldn't find your cell phone? Hmm? You ever misplaced your cell phone? How about this? Have you ever been searching for your phone? And you're on your phone looking for your phone? You've never done that. Just, where is my phone? It's not in my pocket. Until you, you feel foolish because you're on it. They're on the phone. So who, how are you talking to me? Never mind. So Jesus talks about both animate and inanimate objects here. And he talks about being lost. He talks about every being being special to God. Matthew 6, verse 26 to 27 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So Jesus talks about our value, the state of being lost, displaced, being worried, and of being found and being redeemed. So Jesus talked about being lost and being found. Have you ever been lost? Lost on a highway, in the woods, in the desert? The greatest comfort that you can find at that moment is someone to give you direction. Now, I know uh, we all have GPS-enabled devices, smart watches, smart cars, and everything. So, of course, it's, it's a little easier to find your direction and your destination. But I remember a time before GPS where if you were going out of town, you would use, you'd print out a MapQuest. Or you would, you would open up an almanac, a physical map, to find your direction to see where you're going to get to your destination. You see... You can be geographically lost, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually lost, regardless of your gender, your sexuality, your nationality, your occupation and position. Those characteristics have nothing to do with your lostness. You could be a doctor, a student, a teacher, a lawyer, a criminal. You can be lost. Everyone at some point, at one point, can or will be lost. But the greater question here, the spiritual tension is, can we be found? Is there anyone who can find us? Can we be redeemed? You see, in these parables, Jesus talks about being missing, being lost, and not being on the intended path, followed by being found, being led to a greater realization, and being placed on the right path. So many of us are here because we're invited, or we realize some tension, that something within you is missing, that you came here in search of something. So we're talking about being lost. Many of us, of course, are looking for more than getting up, eating, going to work, going to bed, getting up, eating, going to work, going to bed, getting up. You know, we're looking for more than that. So oftentimes we fill it with endless streams of Netflix, recreational activities, adventures, children, relationship, social media, memes, animal videos, TikToks, and realize something's still missing. I'm still empty. These things are entertaining, but it's not, it doesn't have that substance that you need to fill that void. 
So there have been a time in our lives when we realize that we're lost. And the only reason we're here now is because God's found us and he's placed us here to something greater than we can find for ourselves. Now, Jesus says in Luke 15, verse 8, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Now, the value wasn't only in the coin itself, but what the coin represented. You see, if this woman was married, this coin would have been part of a set that's worn on her head to signify that she was married. And it was, it was equivalent to the wedding ring. So she wore this headband with pride and joy. And in those days, if a woman were to do something that was considered uh, shameful to her husband, one of those 10 coins would be taken away. So for her to have lost that coin, some might think that she's done something shameful to disgrace or dishonor her family and her husband. So she's, here she is searching for this coin that's out of place. Now, if this woman was a single person, uh, it could have been referring to the docmo or the Roman denarius. Now, this coin was said to have had uh, the worth of a day's, work, a day's wage, but barely enough to keep a family from starving. So imagine losing a coin that might be worth $300. Just lost and missing. Are you going to let that slide? Oh, you're going to search for that coin. A $300 piece of coin, you're going to search for that. So when a loss is between eating and not eating, paying a bill or not paying a bill, paying a mortgage or not, that loss is felt. So the coin might have slipped out of our pocket or, or fell out of our hand onto the floor. Now to us, losing a coin, it's not a big deal. And if we were to lose a coin now, it would be it wouldn't be as difficult to find because we have hardwood floors, we have carpet, we have tile. But in that day, they didn't have a light switch to turn on. They didn't have tile and carpeting. What they had was hay, stone, dirt that was compacted. So the search for this coin, it was going to take some work. It says the coin was lost carelessly. Now, the coin doesn't have a responsibility, and it can't be held responsible for being lost. Its lostness was based on the woman's condition. It was based on the woman's action. So this story is about way more than, than a coin. The lost coin represents a person who is separated from God. So this is where we inject ourselves into the story. Unlike the coin that doesn't have a responsibility, we do. We're a people who are often lost due to our own carelessness, our own actions, our lack of actions. And some of us are lost and don't even realize it. Most of us are lost to the defective thinking is that we are self-sufficient and can function independently without God, which is a flawed thought. You see... We have the more responsibility to turn on to the direction of God, and we still don't. We get lost in our lives, uh, lost in our personal pursuits, and forget to place uh, eternity in the forefront of our mind. We place it in the back of our mind and think, we have time. I have time to work on it. We'll, we'll do this tomorrow. 
And over time, we forget our way back to God. Or we don't even know where to start. So God, seeing how lost we are, he seeks after us. He finds us and then he rejoices because he finds us. And we have no idea what lied ahead. Sometimes we're just really blind. We have no idea what's going on. You see, you could grow up in a house where your father is the Passover church and still be lost. You can grow up in a house where your mother is a deaconess and still be lost. She could have taught Sabbath school and still be lost. You can grow up in a house singing in a church choir, being active in Sabbath school and still be lost. You could have been a pathfinder all your life and been a youth leader and still get lost. And Jesus knows this. And that's why he's giving us these examples to say, though the coin was lost, it didn't lose its value to signify the coin has worth and is valuable just to say, though you are lost, you're still valued. You didn't lose that worth. See, God, he still sees the same value in us. So Jesus talks about sheep being lost. Now, the sheep being lost means it's not capable of defending itself from the wolves, bears, dangers that awaits it. And it's heading towards certain death unless the shepherd intervenes on its behalf. So when Jesus talks about being lost, it's not a sense of purpose or what career should I pursue or, or where should I go in terms of directions. Now, although those things are important to God because they're important to us, but he means loss as a spiritual separation from God because of sin, meaning that we're hopeless, we're helpless, we're tied up and bound by sin and are headed towards certain death and eternal destruction unless God intervenes on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Now, he wants us to be saved. And being saved means being rescued by Jesus. It means being forgiven of your sins and being adopted into God's family. Jesus doesn't want you to let your lost condition place you in in a state of being hopeless. You see, sometimes we're filled with so much anger and pain and regret and shame that we don't feel like there's a way to come back from some of the things that we've done or some of the pain that we've caused. You see, I've been lost, searching for meaningless pleasures, roaming the world like I didn't know God. I've been lost. My wife has been lost. You've been lost. Everyone you've shaken hands with within the last few hours at some point has been lost in their lives. And at some point, we've all been slaves to sins, lust, and pleasures that have drawn us away from God's love. It's drawn us away from God. And we serve God now because he found us, and not only because he found us. How many of you know that we serve a mighty God? We serve a mighty God. A God who sits high but looks low. A God who knows just where to look to find the lost. Just where to look to find the convicted felon, the adulterer, the liar, the sinner, biased, gossip, judgmental, backstabbers like you and I. It's sinful. And because of who God is, the Redeemer, the Alpha and Omega, the precious Lamb 
who was slain, we've been found. And your lostness hasn't reduced your value. So God knows what he puts in us and what he's invested in you. And now he wants that back by sanctifying it and using it for a greater purpose in order to expand his kingdom. Now, because of the value of this coin, this woman lights a candle. Not only that, but she searches carefully, not carelessly, not like when we send our kids out to go search for something. She searches carefully. She uses the broom and the bristles because she wants to hear something. She wants to see something. She wants to find that coin that has a value to her. And when I think of the price of my salvation being here, it's not something that was half done. It was planned by God with purpose that Jesus would come down and down a cross for us. See, this morning, you and I have been found. So there ought to be some rejoicing. See, the woman swept until she found that one coin. See, the one coin. She rejoiced because she found the one coin, right? Now, listen to the emphasis that's placed on that. It's placed on that one coin, the one sheep, and the one son. She called her friends and her neighbors to rejoice because she found that one coin. And the shepherd called his friends and his family to rejoice because he found that one sheep. And the father called his friends and his family to rejoice because he found his one son. So Jesus... He, he calls his father, he calls the angels, and the whole heaven rejoices because he's found that one, one lost soul. Amen. Now, at one point in my life, I was the one. You know, but he found me, and he put me on his shoulder, and he carried me on because he's, he's that good father. He's a good shepherd, and that's what he does. Now, you might be thinking... My life's a mess. I wouldn't even know where to start. God can save one. You might be thinking, I haven't been the best parent or the best Christian or the best whatever. God can save one. He comes after the one. Or you may be thinking, I haven't been the most caring or the most pleasant or the most loving, the most faithful. Or I'm still struggling with anger and alcoholism, drug addiction, lying, stealing, cheating, thrill-seeking. He can save one. And he erased that entire chapter. You see, he'll find you, put you on his shoulder, and he'll carry you on. And when the Lord finds one, the whole heaven rejoices. Now, notice here, it says... The shepherd left the 99 in the field. So when Jesus leaves the 99, which he will leave every time to come after you and I, him leaving that 99 doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the 99. He realizes that because they're together, there's strength in those numbers. So as God searches for the one, and when he finds that one, he takes them and he puts them in the church. 
in that 99. And he goes back out searching for the next one. And he finds them and he places them in his church. That 99 continues to grow. When he goes back out, he finds the next one. He grabs you. He puts you in the church with the rest of that 99 that continues to grow. And I want you to realize this. There, there isn't a shadow that God won't light up to find you. There isn't a wall that he won't kick down to find you. There isn't a barrier that he won't tear down to find you, that one. And because of who he is, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and unrighteousness. And the Lord will then redeem you as his own, present you holy and blameless before the Father because our God is the Savior of the one. Thank you.